In this evening time, <clears throat> you have it in your little folder there. You don't need to look at it now. We'll be covering a wonderful subject called a history of God's move. Because of Brother Lee's passing away recently, we, the brothers in fellowship, were all very much inspired to take this summer training as an opportunity to infuse into all of you a sense of history. Not just to know the facts and figures, but in fact to have a perspective and a sense of your role, your role in God's move. Which move actually spans the two eternities through time. And therefore, this move, such a move, has its own history. Now, because we have only seven days, seven meetings, we have no choice but just to give you a sweeping view, a panoramic vista of this history of God's move. We will have to use other times. We have to uh, introduce books to you for you to read to get into the greater details. But hopefully, even this broad sweep will afford all of you a real view of what God has been, is doing, and will do. And how you and your life fit into that. Our burden is that you will be equally inspired and touched deeply by God to have what? To have a divine perspective of your own life and to offer yourself to the Lord for His move in His economy. This is our burden. Now tonight, I'd like to start. This is just to give you an overall fellowship. And the brothers will come in and give you more details. Firstly, dear brothers and sisters, we have to realize our God, the triune God, the true God, the one and eternal God of this universe is not a God without purpose. He is a God full of feeling. And he is a God full of design. And he is a God full of a purpose. It all started out with him, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, particularly, having a deep desire or longing. Something that is called his good pleasure. Something that will make him happy. 
Out of that desire springs, springs a kind of what? A kind of will. A kind of purpose. A kind of goal that he wants to reach. And based on that goal, God himself in his trinity actually, what? Actually devise a way, an arrangement, a plan, which the Bible calls an economy to fulfill that goal. This God had, what I described God had, in eternity past, before there was anything else. Before even there was a universe. What is that, that desire, that purpose of God? What does his economy want to carry out? Very simply speaking, and I think we all know, because the words are so utterly familiar to us, and that is God wants to somehow dispense himself, or get himself, or work himself in his marvelous trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. How? in a very particular way. In a very particular way, not general way. Through something called creation. And then through something called incarnation. And then through something called human living. And then through something called death and crucifixion. And through something called resurrection. And through something called ascension. And through something called infilling or indwelling, through all these processes, we call them processes, to what? To accomplish this dispensing of himself into the tripartite man. So that this tripartite man will be what? Will be regenerated, will be transformed, will be glorified. What does all these words mean? They mean simply one thing, that these tripartite men would become just like him. Absolutely identical to him in life and in nature, only not in the Godhead. And that is to what? To organically save this tripartite man. Into what? Into becoming God. This, this, the, these men that are being what? Saved in this way will also be built together. In him. Or, we use our latest word, incorporated into him. A 
has a building. That building, the New Testament calls the body of Christ. So you may say, God's heart's desire is to gain such a body that is fully just like Him. Except it's not just Him, but now includes a corporate man who has his life and nature. This body, this body will issue in the new Jerusalem in eternity future. And when that new Jerusalem appears, materializes in all of its facets, that divine and human constitution, that holy city, will be God's ultimate satisfaction. The fulfillment of His eternal longing. The accomplishment of His eternal goal. The result, the glorious result of His divine and eternal economy. In one word, God wants the new Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, <coughs> this is why the universe was made. This is why time exists. This is why the billions of items were created. This is why man was created. <coughs> this is why we're here. And this is why we're made the way we are in His image and according to His likeness. This is why there's history. And this span this span, this process that carries from eternity past to eternity future is that what? Span of God's move. Moving as in a wheel from eternity to eternity. <coughs> and that move, that move is actually the very biography of God. The very history of God Himself. And all the human events, all the human history that took place or are taking place or that will take place in that span are just indicators. No more than just indicators of God's move at a certain moment. Today, there's a history department in most universities, right? There are a lot of history professors, right? There are probably some history majors here, right? Let me tell you, you can go to all these classes and read all of the his history. You will not know what history is about. Because you can know what, but you can never answer the question why.
You don't know why it happened. You don't know why the Americas were discovered. You don't know why, at a certain point, the, why the printing press was invented. You don't know why that was the Roman Empire. History professors can never tell you that because they don't know. They don't even ask that question. But tonight, standing here with the open Bible and interpretized Bible in front of us, we can bow down before the Lord and say, Lord, we know why. Carry out your eternal heart's desire to gain the new Jerusalem. And in church history, human world history. Now, tonight, I'd like you to go through this in a brief way. Firstly, in a way of seeing the stations of God's move from eternity to eternity. Then I will say something about how the human myth, history, matches that in a brief way. In time, God's eternal economy to carry out this divine move that we just described from eternity to eternity, he designed, he planned what we call, these are not the Bible's words, but these are our words, that there would be four periods or four dispensations. You have to be very clear about this. You have to know this. The first period the first dispensation. That is the word firstly used by the brethren to describe the, these periods of God's move is the period of the patriarchs. That spans from Adam, the first man, all the way, all the way to Joseph who is actually part of Jacob, who had 12 sons, 12 tribes. And that, is, that 12 tribes are the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is the first period, the period of the patriarchs. God, in the first step of his economy, moved in and through these patriarchs on the earth. There may be a lot of other things happening on the earth at that time, but the Bible never recorded that. The Bible recorded only the essential things. Things that relate to God's economy. So only the patriarchs are there. You know them, right? Adam, right? Abel, right? You have what? Enosh, right? You have who else? Later on you have Enosh. You have Noah. Am I right? Then you go on, you have the Hebrew patriarchs, Abraham, 
right? Isaac, Jacob, and so forth. This is the first period. Then you have the second period. The second period is called the dispensation or the age of the law. The Old Testament law. That period spans from the time of Moses when he received the commandment at Mount Sinai in the wilderness all the way to the end of the Old Testament. That is the age of the law. That means God dealt with people according to the law of letters. The Ten Commandments. Then there's a third period. Praise the Lord. Amen. What is the third period? It is called the period of grace. The New Testament period. That period begins with the Lord Jesus. In a little bit, in a small way, with John the Baptist. But properly with the Lord Jesus. You have this verse in John chapter 1. The law was given. What? By Moses. But grace. 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 And reality came through Jesus Christ. Amen. That means the Lord came and altogether terminated an old chapter. An old period. And opened a new period in human race. In God's divine economy. And that is the age of grace. That age spans from his first coming all the way to his second coming. How long will this period be? Nobody knows. Even as I speak this, I feel very inspired that this age is what starts with his coming and ends with his coming. Amen. Aren't you happy about such an age? Amen. And saints, we are in this age today. Amen. That's the age the church is in. That is the age that you and I are in today. And for all the signs that we can see according to the prophecy in the New Testament, we are at the closing end of that age. Then, after the Lord comes, the fourth age will begin. That is an age we know how long. It will be an age of a millennium. A thousand years. That age will be called the age of the kingdom. Where Jesus Christ, the king, the leader, the Lord of lords, will set up his kingdom on this earth. And at the end of that age, the Lord, actually that age is also very interesting. It also, it starts with judgment and ends with another judgment. Grace starts with his coming and ends with his coming, but the kingdom starts with his judgment and ends with his judgment. In the beginning, the judgment of the believers. At the end of the kingdom age, 
the judgment of the unbelieving. At which time, all of the unbelieving ones will be cast into the lake of fire along with Satan. And when that happens, the new heaven and the new, the old heaven and the old earth will roll away. And the new heaven and the new earth will appear. And in it, there would be the new Jerusalem. And that will be eternity future. Do you see this thing? Do you see this? This is the four periods in God's mood. The last, the first two periods was about 4,000 years. The next two periods by now is about 2,000 years. Although I dare not predict what will happen. But saints, we are living in very special times. Even 200 years ago, 500 years ago, you cannot, we would be at a totally different era. I don't have the time. I think in the last couple of days, the brothers may get into this more with you. We are at the end of the church age, of the age of grace. Now, I'd like to share now with you a little bit of the human history side. The human history <clears throat> obviously began with Adam. On and on with all the civilizations. We don't have time to get into that mainly with the center in the what? In the Tigris and Euphrates area. Somewhere in that area is where the Garden of Eden was. You go there today, it is but a desert. Why? Because it's a cursed place. But that's where Eden was. That's where the first civilization of man was. Eventually, that became also the, where the fall took place. Even the utter fall of man all the way to the Tower of Babel. So that became the source of Babylon, which is where Iraq is today. Now, the Lord moved through the children of Israel. That was the history. That was the history. And firstly, it was the children of Israel. The Lord called Abraham out of that Babylonian place, out of that civilization, human, center of human civilization, uh, center of human civilization, call him out to go into another place, to cross a river, 
To go where? To go to a certain good land. The land of Palestine, where Israel is. Right? To begin a new nation, a new people, because the created race have utterly failed God. He now have to rely on a called race, a race within a race, to overcome that. And the head of that was the first Hebrew, Abraham. So Abraham crossed that river and began a new life, a life with God that God had wanted with mankind. Then from Abraham, you have Isaac, his son. From Isaac, you have Jacob. Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel, with 12 sons, each one a tribe. But they were what? They fell into Egypt and was in Egypt for four to five hundred years. At the end of that time, God raised up Moses to call out his people from Egypt to come back to the very land their forefathers were. The land of Canaan. And so they began that journey of 40 years from Egypt into the good land. And there, after a whole new generation entered in, the old generation died, they went in there under the leadership of Joshua. They conquered that land, or most of that land. To make a long story short, they set up a kingdom, a nation, a peculiar nation, a people of God. You have the first king, you all know who, right? The good one, right? David, right? Anointed by Samuel, the prophet. Then you have Solomon. Then you went on to have so many kings. Sorry to say, it was another, what? Dark piece of history. Another failure, another defeat. So after so many years, the whole nation of Israel gone the way of the Babylonians. Worship idols. So God, in a way, say that since you have become Babylonian, I will let you go to Babylonia. So there, a certain king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came and captured the entire nation of Israel and brought them to Babylon. That was the end of that nation. Now, at that time in Babylon, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. Have you heard of that dream? Which dream Daniel interpreted? That dream he saw human history in prophecy. There he saw an image, a very strange image, with a head golden, with arms and breast silver, with the abdomen and the thighs brass or bronze. And with the legs and the feet, 
in iron and with the with the legs in iron and eventually with the feet with the ten toes in half iron and half clay this king woke up and say what is this what is this and no one in the land all the seers all the wise men in that land could interpret that dream so eventually Daniel was the one who interpreted it what was that dream that dream is human history human government I'll just be very brief tonight the head the golden head is the what the Empire of Babylon then the breast and the arms is the Empire of what uh, Persia, Medo-Persia, Persian Empire. And the abdomen or the thighs of brass is the empire of the Greeks, the Grecian Empire, mainly expanded by Alexander the Great. And the feet of iron, two of them predicting the split of the next empire, that is what? The Roman Empire. The Roman Empire. And finally, the feet with the toes. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? I will tell you. That is still part of the Roman Empire. Do you know, saints, that the Roman Empire is not over yet? Do you know that? Unbelievable, right? We thought it ended? No. I don't have time to tell you. But a certain last Caesar will rise up. As the Antichrist. Today, some of us have been in some of the trainings Bradley had. We are living still in a Roman culture. With the Roman law. Etc., etc. I don't have the time. But, but, the point is, the legs and the feet spans a long time. From the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago to the end of that empire in the last days of this age. In between, you're saying, is a very mysterious period. That period is the period of the church. And it, we are today living in that period. According to the outward situation of the world, and you can read Brother Lee's writing again and again, all the so signs, as the song says, point to the end. Even all the worldly signs 
point to the end. This, in brief, brothers and sisters, is the what? The human history. Now you say, uh, where is Germany? Uh, where is England? Where is Spain? And where is the United States? Well, it's all in there. Now, tonight, I have about half, about five minutes left. I'm not here just to give you history lessons. I'm here tonight with a burden. The burden is this. That you would see that all this, all this, is involved or rela related to God's one divine move. In other words, God has a move to carry out his purpose. And that move, according to Ezekiel 1, is like a wheel. There's a big wheel. This big wheel is what? The wheel of God's economy. Ever rolling. Ever moving ever turning to bring God's economy forward and onward. Now, we are not living in the age of the patriarch. We all have to say praise the Lord for that. When I was in children's meeting, too many times I wish I was there with Joseph or someone like that. Or Noah. See how he built that ark. <laughs> Tonight, I praise the Lord, I don't live in that age. And I praise the Lord, I didn't live in the age of the law. Aren't you happy? Yeah. And today, we're all living what, in what, what age? Age of grace. But not just the age of grace. The age of grace is very long. Which part of that grace age are you living in? The beginning with the Lord walking on the earth, the 12 disciples. Did you want to be like that? Huh? I once did. I wish I can be like John. Especially, I love John. We all love him. Because he gets to recline on Jesus' breast. Now how close can you get to the Lord? But tonight I would say don't envy them. He was living at the beginning of that age. Tonight I thank the Lord. I rejoice in Him. I praise Him. I worship Him. That I'm living in this age. At the end of that period. Amen. At that time. He was in the flesh. And he had hardly spoken that much to them because the Spirit has not come yet. And he has not died yet. And he has not become pneumatized yet. 
and he was not in them yet. But since then, dear saints, hallelujah, Christ has become the life-giving spirit. He has gone through death and resurrection and accomplished redemption. And he has become the spirit to be breathed into us as that spiritual air so that he can live inside our spirit so that he can actually accomplish this divine dispensing into our being of the triune God so that he can actually carry out this organic salvation within me day by day aren't you happy that you're living today not only so in those days they hardly knew what was going on and even some later on got the Bible they still didn't know what was going on and eventually the Bible was closed through Catholicism and they not only they didn't know what was going on they didn't even have the Bible and through Martin Luther the Bible was open somewhat and through these past ages through this and that servant of the Lord and people of the Lord the Bible has been increasingly open and interpreted but aren't you glad you're living today? Amen. You're saying, I mean, aren't you happy you're today? Amen. Today, I tell you that this Bible is not just in our hands. It's not only translated. It is fully interpreted. Amen. In these latter days by the Lord's ministry in His recovery. What truth we have in our hands. Young brothers and sisters, treasure it. And not only so, aren't you glad you're not living in Martin Luther's time? He was beginning a recovery, no doubt. But aren't you glad you're not there then? You know, Martin Luther, he was so strong at Worm. What is that place called? Right. Right. Right, he was there, so bold. He said, I did it. He said, did you do this and this? He said, I did it. God help me. Amen. That was his strong speaking. He shot through all the sacraments of Catholicism. But sorry to say he kept two. And eventually, that... Reformation was far from complete. Well, I don't have time to get into all this. Saints, I just want to tell you, we're not there. Today is what, 500 years later. Amen. What? We are, have what? We have the whole Bible interpreted. Amen. And open to us. Amen. Right? And aren't you glad today, saints, that you're living in the United States? of America. Aren't you? Yes. Not very strong, strong amen. <laughs> Some of you wish you're not in the U.S. <laughs> you want to go to Europe, right? I tell you, we have to say God bless America. Amen. Not as a kind of a patri- patriotic uh, declaration, but seen in the divine light And again, you have to read this book. You realize God has planned everything to even allow a country such as USA to exist today. 
so that, listen, his ultimate recovery can be carried out. And we are in that recovery today. I don't know why, I don't know how. Even nowadays, I still, from time to time, ask the Lord. Lord, how did it happen that I am living in this age, in the USA, and I got included in your recovery? Amen. I mean, it is just mind-blowing. It is unbelievable. It is a kind of a dream. Saints, you are here. You are here. And I'd like to tell you, this is the center of the Lord's wheel, of that wheel. You know, there's that big wheel, and there's a little wheel within a wheel. A little wheel within the big wheel. And today, we are in what? We are in the middle of that wheel. No less. I would even dare say that this is, I don't mean the meeting hall here, but I mean God's economy in his recovery with this all-inclusive Christ is the very center of the universe and the center of the Lord's move. And everything is for this move. Human history, prophecy, everything is for this move. And brothers and sisters, our burden is that, you would, is that you would realize that. Then, none of you would be like all the other young people on the earth. Just what? Going through life? Just being a, what they call it, high achievers? Just what? Going through the fast track? Making it? Acquiring it, getting it, and think that that's what life is about. And going to church on Sunday, of course, we can't forget that. <laughs> or being just a good Christian, even just a spiritual Christian. I tell you, all those does not measure up to this view. Saints, today, we have to be what? We have to be the overcomers in the Lord's recovery. Amen. We have be, to be those God men. Those what? Living and functioning members. To be here, living, breathing, eating, drinking, sleeping for one thing. And that is to what? To cause this wheel to go forward. Amen. So that we can what? Bring an end to this age. Not so that we can end this age, but so that God can get what he's after. And the only way is that that body of Christ may be built. Amen. And that body is only built by the overcomers. And the overcomers are those who overcome everything of the world, everything of themselves, everything of religion. They don't live for anything else on the earth. Not for their future, not for their marriage, not for their education, not for the family, not for anything. They may do these things, but they're not for these things. They're just for one thing. And that is, they are for God's eternal economy. Amen. They are for the moving on of this wheel. They are for getting the new Jerusalem. Amen. Or becoming the new Jerusalem. And that's what we're here for. 
Do you have a view tonight? Did I give you a kind of a view? Can can you still live in the same way? I saw this view when this book came out, which is 1972, in Culver City Auditorium. I was a kid, your age, exactly. And this vision captured, wrecked me, spoiled me, gained me for my entire life. And even standing here tonight, I'd like to testify to you, by His mercy, I am still taking this way. There's nothing too precious to give up for this. Everything else that the human soul desires pales in this life. Nothing can compare with this. Because this is God's heartbeat. This is about God's happiness. This is about God getting what He is after, not what you want. Until you, your heart beats with His heartbeat. Until your life synchronizes with His desire. Until you are in that wheel that everything you do is part of that wheel. I tell you, your life and my life is still meaningless. It is still vain. It is still half empty. So, this is why we are looking at history. I hope tonight, this first meeting, will give you a taste and a view for the coming meetings. I hope that these meetings afterwards will cause you to go to the Lord. Not just to be curious, to know more history, but to go to the Lord. Lord, since I have seen this, since you have included me already, Lord, I like to give my whole life to you. I like to offer everything to you for your eternal economy. My whole life. Dear saints, I mean your whole life. How about your whole life to serve him? How about your whole life to live him? How about your whole life to work out the new Jerusalem and nothing else? This is the high calling from above. And this is why God chose you, predestined you, and made you, and saved you, and kept you, and preserved you, even your human life, until tonight. For nothing less but the fulfillment of his economy, Amen. eternal economy. Amen. The Lord have mercy on us. Amen. I will stop here tonight.